The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. 60s were a crazy time in America. Uh, JFK was assassinated in Dallas. We were entrenched in Vietnam, a, a war that deeply divided the nation. The civil rights movement was in full swing. And from 1963 to 1969, our 36th president, Lyndon Baines Johnson, was apparently showing his dick to just about everyone who set foot in the Oval Office. You heard that right. Get ready for a rock-hard, fully erect edition of Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I couldn't be more excited about this episode. Today's topic was suggested by Time Sucker and my cousin, uh, Matt Cummins, out of Wyoming, uh, which makes it that much funnier to me that, that he was the guy who turned me on to this. I, I had no idea about LBJ and his, and his genital fascination. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna learn a, a little about LBJ uh, overall in this episode, and and a lot about the, an entity known as Jumbo. So let's pun intended get right into the meat of today's episode. This is easily the most ridiculous episode of Time Suck so far. That's ridiculous with a K snuck in there. Uh, pun again intended. Not a big pun guy, but uh, yeah, it's dick jokes, it's dick jokes today a little bit. Okay, so. Uh, this, this, we're just going to start off with a variety of, of tales uh, about LBJ and his, and his genitals, uh, <laughs> uh, his comfort level with nudity at the Oval Office and the White House, and just, just in general. And, and these are all things that I researched pretty thoroughly. There was uh, a, a few things that were showing up, you know, just like bullshitty like Reddit threads and things that I completely discounted. Um, all of these things that I found were things that, that showed up in, in numerous articles and were written by, you know, like professional journalists or biographers um, who, you know, had like New York Times book reviews and things. It wasn't just like, you know, Frank Fuckstick 
on you know Facebook was like LBJ put his dick in a beagle butt. It's like oh that's that's not news. That's that's not true. So these these, these but these are pretty they're they're so just outrageous. Uh, I had a hard time believing <laughs> believing some of them were too. But let's start off with this first one. I remember this is the president. This is you know the the sixties, which were you know uh, a crazy time in America for sure with the big culture, counterculture revolution, but but we're not talking about, like, hippies and stuff. We're talking about a middle-aged man from Texas in the White House. Uh, first story, um, apparently he just uh, liked to uh, uh, kind of piss, you know, wherever wherever he, he felt like it. You know, and so, like, if he was outside around, like, let's say the House office building in D.C., if the urge, you know, struck him, you know, Secret Service guys are around... Uh, he would just, you know, pee in the parking lot, and he would refer uh, to his 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 dick as Jumbo. And there's one account of him <laughs> shaking it off in front of a, a Secret Service member and asking him, "Have you ever seen anything as big as this?" Uh, and he would also uh, oblige Age to take dictation, you know, take some notes, standing at the door of his office bathroom while the door was open, uh, while he was just taking a shit. Like some weird alpha male ritual assertion of his, uh, of his, you know, uh, being leader of the pack or something, just or you know, just so primal. And this is actually there's a movie uh, with Brian Cranston, an HBO uh, movie uh, <laughs> that I'll I'll come up with the title later in this episode. I have it I have it in the in all my notes, and I'm just blanking on it right now. That but Brian, there's a scene when you know. They they do this where Brian Cranston as LBJ uh, sits down and just takes a shit with the door open, just a, as as people are you know senior staff are hanging around him and you can tell like they're just like God damn it this happens all the time. Okay, so that's so that's something he was doing. Uh, he he got naked during an Air Force One interview apparently. Uh, leader of the free world LBJ aboard Air Force One standing in front of reporters naked as Jay Bird. Uh, I guess to be fair it was a, it was a hot sunny day. And uh, you know, he wasn't it wasn't a shy guy. And this was uh, he invited White House reporter Frank Cormier and two colleagues to an impromptu news conference in the presidential quarters, according to Corm- Cormier's book uh, LBJ: The Way He Was. And Cormier described uh, Johnson just shucking off his underwear as if nothing unusual was going on. And he continued to talk to reporters while standing buck naked and waving his towel for emphasis. So I guess you know he had a shower and just uh, was like, "Hey, let's let's talk." Not ready to put my clothes on yet. Uh, Robert Caro, the two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning author who's written four parts of a five-part biography series on LBJ called The Years of Lyndon Johnson, uh, shared this in a 2000 interview with Stephen Colbert. Uh, quote, he had a great respect for his penis. Uh, Caro laughed. When he was president, he liked to urinate off the back porch of his ranch. One night, a Secret Service, uh, Secret Service man says, Mr. President, you ought to look out for rattlesnakes. He says, rattlesnakes? And then refers to his penis and says, it is part rattlesnake. <laughs> now, here's the most outrageous one uh, to me. And this, this again, uh, this, there's another um, LBJ biography called Flawed Giant, written by Robert Dalek. Uh, it was written up in the New York Times, you know, legitimate book. And this is from that. Uh, this is, fuck, this fucking blows me away. And, and a lot of web articles reference this. Quote, during a private conversation with some reporters who pressed him to explain why we, why we excuse me, were in Vietnam, Johnson lost his patience. According to Arthur Goldberg, uh, briefly a Supreme Court justice, he was an ambassador to the United Nations under LBJ, 
Uh, LBJ, quote, unzipped his fly, drew out his substantial organ, and declared, this is why. Do you hear what I'm saying? The president of the United States talking about, uh, you know, the most important thing going on uh, in the United States at that time is like, well, why are we in Vietnam? Fucking my dick is why we're in Vietnam. Can you imagine if, uh, if Obama did that? If Obama, he would be fucking impeached. He would have been impeached if, if, if he would have done that. Maybe Trump can get away with it, you know, which I think, you know, shows that there definitely is, is a, still some racism in the country. If, if, if the black president would have whipped out his dick and be like, this is why we're in fucking Afghanistan, motherfucker. My fucking dick is why we're over there. Are you kidding me? That would be, oh, Fox News. People, Fox News pundits, their fucking heads would literally explode. They'd be so goddamn excited to talk about that. And they're so enraged. Okay, so that's something. Uh, apparently, he would go skinny dipping with ambassadors. In a recent biography of Lyndon B. Johnson, uh, again, uh, Robert Dalek and Flawed Giant, uh, <laughs> says, <laughs> he said that ambassadors calling to present their credentials sometimes had a closer acquaintance uh, than they were expecting. It was Mr. Johnson's occasional practice to invite new envoys for a swim in the small indoor pool built for FDR, skinny dipping with a long-established tradition, which allowed the president to establish genital dominance at the start of a diplomatic relationship. So, you know, it wasn't unheard of for presidents, you know, in previous years to skinny dip in there, but it was, I guess, like, you know, this was like his first impression. It's like, yeah, you want to talk about some politics? All right, well, you're going to stare at Jumbo. Jumbo's going to keep an eye on you while we discuss and then again, yeah, the shitting whole. Oh, oh uh, the movie is um, goddamn all the way. It's a movie that uh, I was talking about earlier with Brian Cranston, where he plays LBJ. Uh, he won a Tony for the for the Broadway version of All the Way. And um, yeah, yeah, I just had that pop in my head. Okay, so this guy, this guy wasn't just fixated on his genitals for show either. Uh, apparently, he had a voracious sexual appetite, and like a lot of dudes in power, uh, desire for sexual conquest. Which I knew about, like JFK. I mean, I think everybody with Marilyn Monroe and Happy Birthday, Mr. President, and all this stuff, everybody knew he was a, a womanizing kind of dude. But you see, LBJ, and and, and and sorry, with JFK, you know, he was a very good-looking dude, very charismatic. You know, he looked like a ladies' man. LBJ uh, looked like uh, you know your country uncle who asked you to pull his finger. Like like there was not. He did not <laughs> look like a like a, a sexual dude at all, but apparently, uh, according to Bill Moyer, who was a special assistant to Johnson from 63 to 67, he said that Johnson had an unfillable hole in his ego. Uh, feelings of emptiness spurred him to eat, drink, smoke to excess. Uh, sexual conquests also helped fill the void. He was a competitive womanizer. Uh, and, th and this next thing uh, is referenced all over the web in numerous articles. Uh, when people would mention Kennedy's many affairs, uh, he'd like fucking bang on the table, do shit like that. And I guess he, he loved to say uh, that he had more women by accident than Kennedy ever had on purpose. So he's a competitive fucking guy. And he just, he just by, by all accounts, he just seemed <laughs> earthy would be the nice way to say it. But he just, um, yeah, a very primal guy, you know. And again, he didn't, I guess for some, in my mind, didn't look like it. But yeah, a guy who, yeah, just like a kind of in, a, in an old school way, a man's man almost in a way, where he liked to drink a lot of fucking whiskey, he liked to smoke, he liked to fucking pee uh, off the back porch, took a shit whenever he wanted, he liked to, you know, he liked the ladies, you know, and like talk, like locker room talk, but it's just, it's just crazy, it did not match, I guess, I, I don't know who, I don't know who I thought he was, but when I'd hear LBJ, I would, you know, kind of think of Nam and think of, you know, JFK assassination. But I wasn't thinking of this fucking hard drinking, porch piss and swinging dick guy. 
Um, and he was a big dude, you know, for for a president too. He's like six two, six three, you know, two two ten, two thirty in there, broad shouldered guy. And I guess he was also known for kind of like close talking people. Brian Cranston does that in the movie too. But he but he did a lot of these things just to kind of fucking rattle people. I guess he was a really good student of human nature and intimidate them. He 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 does sound like no wonder Cranston, after playing Walter White in Breaking Bad, chose LBJ to fixate on. Like he does seem fascinating. Where he was this big fucking Texan, hard drinking Texan who'd got in your fucking face, who wasn't afraid to show you his dick, talk about how big it was, wasn't afraid to take a shit right in front of you. That is that is like a gorilla type thing to me, you know. I mean, can you imagine if your boss at your work pulled you into the office, and, you know, talk about like you wanted to talk about a raise, and he's like, "Yeah, we can talk about it," and then he just uh, fucking drops trow all the way, kind of wags his dick around, and he's got a big dick. Takes, you know, sits down, takes a shit. It's just like openly taking a shit and looking you in the eye at the same time. And then be like, yeah, let's talk. So what do you, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? Why do you think I should give you some more money? That would be unnerving as, sh- as hell. Oh, my God. Um, but I don't want to paint a picture that he was just like some fucking uh, maniac either. He was a good guy in a lot of ways. He did struggle over, you know, uh, U.S.'s involvement of Vietnam. Apparently that weighed very heavily. On his conscience, uh, Lady Bird Johnson, his, you know, the first lady, his wife, uh, remembers the president's pain over the war. Quote, he had no stomach for it, she said. Uh, quote, no heart for it. It wasn't the war he wanted. You know, it, it was something that we were involved in before he got into the, into the Oval Office, by the way. The one he wanted was on poverty and ignorance and disease. And that was worth putting your life into. Uh, she added, it was just a hell of a thorn stuck in his throat. It wouldn't come up. It wouldn't go down. It was just pure hell. And he did not have that reassuring, strong feeling that this is right that he had when he was in a crunch with civil rights or poverty or education. It didn't have that, we'll make it through this one, win or lose, it's the right thing to do, feeling so much, so much uncertainty. We had a rich dose of that. Uh, true, you can bear any burden, pay any price, if you're sure you're doing right, but if you do not know what is right, her voice trails off. Uh, the opposition provoked in the United States by the expanding war spoke to Johnson's hesitations and forebodings, but criticism made him more rather than less reluctant to consult his doubts. So, so you know, he was, he was a, he, and, and we'll find out here in just a bit, he, he was a, a, did a lot of stuff, especially with civil rights and especially with, like, education and poverty. You know, he wasn't just all about, all about dick. Uh, but, but he did, he was a lot about his dick as well. So before we get into more just kind of weird shit about Johnson, let's, let, let, let's paint a fuller picture of him. Let's, uh, I think let's do a little time suck timeline. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a time-suck timeline. All right, August 27th, 1908. Lyndon Bain Johnson is born in a small farmhouse in Stonewall, Texas, a tiny town of roughly like 500 people, mostly known for having the best peaches in Texas, which, you know, who the fuck thinks about peaches in Texas? So, you know, not a lot going on. His father, Samuel Ely Johnson Jr., was a cotton farmer, also served as a member of the Texas House of Representatives at the time of LBJ's birth. Uh, he was a populist Democrat known for taking on big business and essentially standing up for the little guy. So, you know, that type of politics in his blood. Uh, I, I know nothing about the size of his dad's dick, so we don't know where that comes from. 1913, after the price of cotton plummeted from 40 cents to 6 cents per pound. The family loses the farm, moves to nearby Johnson City, a town of a little over 1,000 people, known for not quite being uh, as much of a shithole as Stonewall. Yep. 1924. He graduates from Johnson uh, High School at the age of 15. While he is the youngest kid to graduate, it's not like he's some prodigy. 
this is a school that had six kids in his class. None of them uh, probably learned a lot. Uh, and I say that because LBJ, uh, you know, was like the top of that little class of six, and he still wasn't able to get into Southwest uh, Texas State Teachers College, which isn't exactly Harvard, uh, after graduating. So, you know, he and five friends, they pitched in, uh, bought a car, drove to California, and fucked around for a while as a teenager. I love that, you know? It's like 15, that's good. Think about how different the times were, too. 15 years old, you know, you try and do that. Some 15-year-old does that now, you know, the, the people are going to report a missing. It's going to be fucking Amber Alert going off on all of our phones. Nah, man. Back then in the 20s, it's like, well, good luck, son. You and your friends have fun fucking trying to live out in California where we can only speak to you via telegraph or some shit. So he does that. He goes around. He fucks around for a while, working odd jobs, chasing tail, I'm sure. God knows how many people saw his dick during his time out west. Uh, I'm guessing Jumbo was living the California dream. 1925, the very next year, LBJ returns to Johnson City, Texas. You know, he probably misses his family. Maybe he's broke. I don't know. Nothing, nothing, uh, no specifics there. But uh, he returns to work on a road construction crew, and while there's no record, undoubtedly constantly exposes his dick to both coworkers and passerby alike. I'm, I'm speculating. 1927, LBJ refocuses his life, gets into the illustrious Southwest Texas State Teachers College, now known as Texas State University San Marcos, uh, and he helps to pay his way through school by working as a janitor, as an office assistant. I think that's pretty fucking cool, man. From janitor to the White House. Badass. That is the American dream right there. He, he drops out for a year to teach 5th through 7th graders uh, while he's going to school there uh, in the Mexican-American town of Cotula, Texas. A town that has recently experienced an oil and natural gas boom uh, in our time. But in the late 20s was just another dusty backwater Texas town with enough humidity to keep Jumbo semi-permanently stuck to LBJ's hefty sack and or thigh. And uh, I'm guessing it was a town kind of hard up for teachers uh, just to take a guy who doesn't even have his degree yet. Maybe that was the norm for the time. Uh, 1930, LBJ gets his bachelor's in teaching, still teaches in uh, Cotella, where he is, by all accounts, a phenomenal teacher who uh, must have kept his cock and balls in his pants, at least on school grounds during classroom hours. 1931, through his dad's political connections, uh, locally there in Texas, he lands a job in D.C. as an aide to U.S. Congressman Richard Kleberg of Corpus Christi, where he does an exemplary job, uh, not one word about his privates from this time. 1934, LBJ returns to Texas, meets the well-to-do Claudia Ladybird Taylor, nicknamed because as a baby, her nanny thought she looked as pretty as a ladybird, marries her three months later, and immediately, one can only imagine, begins relentlessly and tirelessly pounding her with Jumbo. Just fucking Jumbo is just, <laughs> just working Ladybird. You can be assured of that in the Texas heat. Just Texas heat and dick and Ladybird in 1934. 1937, uh, he uses his wife's inheritance to help win a seat in Congress uh, from his home district and is able to bring electricity. Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, I, it's, I, I, I hate to be that guy, but I do crack myself up sometimes. Uh, just thinking about all that dick and labor. Ah, I'm like a permanent eighth grader in some ways. Okay, anyway, uh, 1937, he uses his wife's inheritance to help win a seat in Congress from his home district and is able to bring electricity to his hometown. An achievement, I guess this is kind of, you know, speaks to how sensitive he was in some ways. That, that was his proudest achievement, he would say in later years, was, you know, bringing electricity to, to little old tiny Stonewall, Texas. So that is, that is pretty cool. And just kind of shows you how different the times were. I mean, God, this guy, he grew up, you know, without even electricity as a kid. Again, a cool American dream there. No electricity to the White House. Uh, and it's not like there was an age when there was no electricity. They just didn't have it in that shithole town. Uh, 1941, he's still a member uh, of Congress, 
and he's appointed as the Congressional Inspector of the War's Progress, World War II that would be, uh, in the Pacific. Uh, he even goes on a bombing run. 1944, first of two daughters is born, and in 1947, uh, the second of his two daughters is born. Uh, there's no mention of anything I can find about him exposing his dick uh, and or balls to either daughter uh, ever in an appropriate manner. So that's good. So his ball, his John, Jumbo does have some limits. That's nice to know. Uh, 1948, uh, he wins a seat in the Senate, beating a popular Texas governor for the party nomination in the process, serves in the Senate, becoming majority whip in 1951, an apt title, as you can be damn sure he was whipping out Jumbo on a semi-regular basis by this point. Uh, he was known as a womanizer, and you can uh, uh, you know as a fair amount of interns received some of that South Texas sausage, some of that spicy sausage. He's, he's a Democratic senity, uh, senity. I think I was trying to combine Kennedy and Senate. He's a Democratic Senate minority leader from 53 uh, to 55. The Democratic Senate, God damn it, majority leader from 55 to 61, even surviving a heart attack in 55 to do so. Thankfully, he recovered, and he and Jumbo were as healthy and active as ever after that. And then, 1960, LBJ tries to win the Democratic nomination for president but loses to an even more impressive nickname, JFK, John fucking Kennedy. Not sure I have his middle name right here, but I'm positive about the initial. And even though JFK beats him, the young Catholic taps the younger, uh, or taps the older Protestant LBJ as his running mate to balance out the ticket, and they defeat VP Richard Tricky Dick Nixon to win the presidency. Think about that for a second. The vice presidency goes from Tricky Dick to Jumbo. And JFK is banging any woman under the age of 30 uh, to walk onto the White House grounds. Wild fucking times at the White House in the 60s. We all get a, man, people got all fucking crazy about Clinton in the 90s. He was not doing shit compared to what was going on in the 60s. JF, JFK would have fucking laughed oh, his ass off about, really? Well, what? You, you, you put one, one, one unlit cigar in an intern's vagina? And the Congress is trying to impeach you? Are you kidding me? I fuck members of Congress now as president. I don't know. I don't know if he did that, but maybe. Okay, 1963, uh, Kennedy is killed in Dallas by who gives a shit? I'm so tired of that conspiracy theory. Uh, once again, Texas is kind to LBJ. Gives him the throne. Thanks, Texas. Uh, does also give him the Vietnam War and the Civil Rights Movement, which were uh, fairly stressful to deal with. 1964 to 1973, uh, LBJ does run for president in 64, receives the largest share of the popular vote in history to that point, just over 61%. And then, but then after dealing with all the turmoil of Vietnam during his you know, first you know, actual full term, uh, which he escalated with the Tonkin Resolution that gave him the power to use full military might against North Vietnamese without ever officially declaring war, not a popular decision with everyone. Uh, he chose not to run for re-election in 68, then died back in Texas just five years later in 73 at the young age of 64. And his incredibly well-preserved, and some say breathtaking, magnificent cock is on display right now at the Smithsonian. It'll be there through June. That is not true. Uh, that, I read that on an article that exists only in my imagination. <laughs> How fucking great would that be, though? That, that would be a museum piece I'd be interested. <laughs> Someone was like, you know, we got, we got Kennedy's, we got JFK's, uh, the, the bloody shirt he wore when he was assassinated, like, wow, that's shit, that's pretty intense, maybe, I'll, I don't know, I might go to that, I might... oh, and they're like, oh, also, uh, uh, LBJ's cock, we have LBJ's uh, uh, taxidermic, <laughs> taxidermic cock on display, 
I'd be like, yeah, all right, I'm curious. I'll, I'll check out Jumbo. Yeah. I'd never seen me a, a taxidermic cock before, let alone a president's, let alone, let alone some Texas sausage presidency cock. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, while president, he did pass a lot of very important legislation, uh, such as Medicare, Medicaid, the, the voting rights, uh, which, you know, balance tactics, uh, or ban tactics used by southern states to block African Americans from voting. The Elementary and Secondary Education Act uh, provided grade schools and high schools with federal funding for the first time, uh, passed the Civil Rights Act in 1964, which outlawed discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, national origin, ended unequal application of voter registration requirements and racial segregation in schools, the workplace, and facilities that serve the general public. All right, so there you go. There's a timeline for you. Good job, soldier. You made it back. Barely. All right. So now, now we have a fuller picture of LBJ. Right now, we know a little bit about what he did during his presidency, uh, where he came from. You know, impoverished Texas roots. Uh, you know, he 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 was a he. He went, he went to war while he was in Congress. That's pretty goddamn impressive. He's a sentimental guy, you know, still thinking of his little Texas town and took care of it. I mean, I think that's really cool. You know, he's got some loyalty. But that's not what you're listening for. That's not, that's not what I set up in the beginning. This isn't about all that, you know, shiny, happy stuff. This is, this is about dick, this is, and this is about weird shit. And so I think, uh, I think we need to get into some weird facts. <laughs> Weird facts. All right, weird fact number one today. Uh, this has nothing to do with wieners. This is a, a thing that got him in a lot of trouble that just showed up in a lot of articles that I found. Is LBJ apparently liked to lift up his, his beagles uh, by their ears. He got in a lot of trouble when in 1964, on April 27th, he was walking his beagles outside the White House along various members of the press, and, and to the shock of those president, just bent down, Grabbed one of his dogs, uh, this pair of dogs, they were named him and her, and he grabbed him, picked him up by the ears. And uh, the photo was published in Life magazine and caused a fair amount of uproar amongst uh, animal activists around the country. And just kind of people in general were like, dude, what the fuck? Dogs don't like that. Like, you know, like I, I have a dog now I'm very excited about, uh, a little dog, Penny, uh, who, who's asleep right now, so I should not say her name again during this podcast because she's right behind me, little son of a bitch. Uh, she's cute as hell. I get frustrated with her. Uh, would never even think to pick her up by the ears. And I don't know a lot about uh, dogs, to be totally honest. So, uh, so yeah. So that, but there was also articles about how he loved his dogs. Uh, he even, there was even, if you go on YouTube, there was a vinyl record pressed a couple years after he died called Dogs Have Always Been My Friends from LBJ, like a spoken word record where he just talks about dogs. How fucking boring. Uh, were the times back then compared to now when people were willing to buy a vinyl record of a president, a dead president, talking about dogs? Who the fuck was buying that? Like, how, what? How? how I, don't, I don't even, I can't even begin to understand that, but that's a real thing. Okay. Uh, weird fact number two, he was nearly killed in World War II, which I do think that's odd for a guy who was in Congress, um, you know, uh, that apparently he went on like one uh, uh, bombing run, and he boarded a, a plane called the Wash, Wabash Cannonball for his mission. But then a, a last-second trip off of that plane to use the bathroom saved his life. 
Um, on his return from the facilities, he boarded another plane that survived the mission. The Wabash Cannonball crashed with a total loss of life. So the plane he was supposed to get on at first, uh, crash, everyone dies. That's crazy. Uh, you know, history would have been fairly different. Jumbo would have, would have died early. And, uh, and kind of funny, after all we've learned about him and his bathroom policies, that he was taken, he had to go take a shit or, you know, wave his dick around at the urinal and ask people if they've seen anything as big as this. And then, so Jumbo kind of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the, the, this isn't a fact, but in my mind, Jumbo saved his life. Jumbo wasn't ready to go. Jumbo sensed something, uh, jum, primal Jumbo sensed that there was something wrong with that plane. And Jumbo was like, hey, come on, hey, 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 Lyndon, hey, come on, hey, buddy, hey, 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 let's not get on that. Let's, let's go, there's some, hey, let's go show your dick around. Show me around. I don't know why he be, uh, Jumbo refers to himself as a different entity. Jumbo's like, hey, just come on. There's some, there's some service guys over there. They probably have some, some hot secretaries they know, and you show me, and then they'll talk about me to them, and then we're, we're in there, buddy. Come on. I don't know. Here's a here's much weirder one, a weird fact number three. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot, of, a lot of references to this on various articles about him. He had a shower nozzle, a very expensive shower nozzle installed for his balls. He actually had several shower nozzles uh, put into the, the, the White House, uh, you know, premier bathroom. According to former Bloomberg White House correspondent Kate Brower in her new book, The Residence, Inside the Private World of the White House, Johnson wanted to talk specifically about the shower. Uh, Mr. West, if, uh, if you can't get that shower of mine fixed, he said, I'm going to go, and this is talking to some, some guy who's in charge of fixing shit, I'm going to have to go back to move to the Elms, which is where his, uh, his private residence was in D.C., his preferred shower in the Elms Mansion had several nozzles that shot out water with needle-like intensity and had water pressure the equivalent of a fire hose. One nozzle was positioned to shoot up the—this is a quote from her book. One nozzle was positioned to shoot up the president's rear while another aimed directly at his penis. He nicknamed that showerhead sprayer Jumbo. Of course he did. Jumbo for Jumbo. Uh, along with aggressive showerheads, Jumbo requested the installation of a light switch that could flip for either hot or cold water. He did not want to have warm water in the shower. You fucking, you have it hot or you have it cold. You have it cold if you need to cool Jumbo down or if Jumbo needs to get fucking ripping and roaring, you, you put on the heat. You put a little heat on Jumbo. Or maybe up the butt. I don't know. I don't know what that does. I've never heard of anybody wanting a shower nozzle that shoots up their ass. I don't know. Maybe he had a good experience with the bidet. And I guess he got real pissed. There was, they, were, they were having trouble getting this uh, installed the way he wanted it. And he said, if I can move 10,000 troops in a day, you can certainly fix the bathroom any way I want it. Holy shit. Number four, he didn't give a shit who he pissed in front of. We've kind of already touched about this, but, re, but re, uh, uh, Representative Wingate Lucas, uh, Democratic Texas, said on one occasion in the parking lot of the White House building, I remember once we were walking across the lot and some female secretaries were behind us, and LBJ just stopped and began to piss right in front of them. <laughs> that was not an accident. Oh, man. He's like, hey, check this out. Check out this dick. Check out, check out my cock. The president is doing this. Um... Number five is he, he, he once had a, a, a candid call with his tailor uh, called the bunghole phone call. This is, on, this is on YouTube if you want to listen to it. I don't think it's that great. It's, it's the most commonly known weird thing about LBJ from his presidency. But basically all it is is he has a talk with his tailor. And, you know, at one point he says he needs a little more room around uh, his bunghole. And, and bunghole is his word, by the way. It's funny, but yeah, I think the dick stuff's more fascinating. I just include it because I, I know if I don't mention it, I, I feel like people will be like, hey, man, you should have talked about the bunghole call. Well, okay. There, I was talking about it. Uh, uh, last one, number six, his dick balls and butthole were apparently always itchy. He frequently used semi-private or public displays, of, or pre- frequently had semi-private or public displays of affection with Jumbo, including while on the floor of the House and Senate. As historian 
Uh, Marshall, Frady says, Emmy-winning documentary filmmaker, jur- journalist, and author, he, quote, extravagantly would rummage away at his groin, sometimes reaching his hand through a pocket and leaning with half-lifted leg for more thorough access. Elsewhere, LBJ showed some love to his backside as well. He was continually, openly, and at length scratching his rear end quite deeply into his rear end sometimes. Jesus Christ, guy was a guy was a fucking animal. Ah, oh, it's hilarious to me. And again, can you imagine if uh, you know some camera would have caught like a, a Obama just fucking digging in his butthole uh, on the floor of the Senate or Congress, no less. Just like fucking like leg up on the desk, just rooting in there, just really, or just you know like like a deep pocket pool dig, just really rooting around in his dick. <laughs> in the social media age we live, ah, oh, he would be done. He would be done. Fucking Howard Dean, when he was running for president years ago, his, his race ended with a scream. A microphone amplified his scream in a weird way, and he was mocked on Facebook and YouTube and everything, and it fucking killed him. Ah, LBJ got to fucking stroke himself off, practically, with a finger up his ass in a, on the floor of the Senate. Okay. Oh, my God. So there's you go. That's some weird facts. Weird facts. So crazy stuff, you know, fascinating. I think a lot of people, myself, are guilty of kind of putting our leaders up on pedestals. You know, it's comforting to think that just because we don't have our shit figured out, somebody else surely does. But the, the more I dig into history and tales of, you know, the most important humans to ever kind of guide our species, I realize that we're all very flawed, you know, so fucked up in some way or another. You know, it's comforting to know it, it's normal to be abnormal, though. You know, like, like, like I used to whip my dick out a lot in college. And then again, for a few years in my early 30s, when I drank too much, to be totally honest. And, you know, some people close to me, people like my manager and some girls I dated, uh, frowned upon that. They thought I was being preposterously immature, just whipping my dick out at parties or the bar just to get a shocked reaction from people. Uh, and here, the whole time, I was being presidential. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Uh, I was acting like an idiot, uh, and it was fun, but I wouldn't do it again. And I, but I, I can't imagine doing it in my 50s or, or 60s. I mean, think about how truly odd that behavior was. The guy was born in 1908, president from 63 to 69. That means he was doing all this shit I just talked about between the ages of 55 and 61. Like, my grandpa was born in 32, was only 45 when I was born. Uh, (laughs) I can't imagine him, you know, from the time I was 10 to when I was 16, you know, just thinking about him just whipping his dick out to people, talking about jumbo. And this was a guy, you know, calling shots and nom, unfucking real I don't think anyone will ever get away with acting like this again, though. Uh, not like, like I talked about. Not in the social media age. Maybe Trump. Trump. If anyone could do it, Trump could. Because uh, I feel like some of his report, uh, supporters would find it funny. Just be like, yeah, yeah, great, good for him. Wish I could whip my dick out when I wanted to. Yeah, yeah that's inspiring. You can be president. You can whip your dick out whenever you want. Um, I don't know. Fucking Obama, though, would have been peach. But anyway, anyway. Enough dick. Enough dick. Uh... As far as, you know, s- stories, I think, I think that pretty much sums it up. But let's recap. Let's recap what we learned in some top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, LBJ had a butthole shower nozzle installed in the White House. And a separate cock and ball shower nozzle. <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars were spent on this. Fucking America, man. Fuck yeah. Number two, LBJ uh, also brought an end to legal... Racial discrimination. So talk about a complicated, you know, multifaceted dude. No wonder Brian Cranston dug into him. Number three, LBJ whipped his dick out to explain to a reporter why we were numb. God, I hope that's true. If it is, it's my favorite presidential story ever. 
How great would that be just to reach a point in your life where that's how you can answer questions? Why didn't I take out the trash? And get away with it. Why didn't I take out the trash? Fucking this is why. Show my wife my dick. <laughs> kind of want to do that now. Uh, she, would not, she would not be amused. She'd not be amused. I would, I would not. I would not. People would not ignore it like they apparently ignored it with him. Uh, number, number four, he was a phenomenal teacher, gave schools federal funding for the first time in our nation's history. Not bad for a guy who shit in front of staffers. And number five, we know that his dick is called Jumbo. Just think about that alone. We know the nickname of one of our president's dicks. And we're a first world country. Oh, man. What does that say about guys? Just even, even the best of us are just obsessed with our cocks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there you go. We're just, a bunch of, we're just a bunch of apes who figured out how to shave and put clothes on. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Oh, well, thanks for listening uh, to another Time Suck, everybody. I hope, I hope you're still enjoying this as much as I am. Uh, you seem like you are. From all the nice reviews I read on iTunes and comments left on timesuckpodcast.com, a lot of those lately. Uh, 98 reviews on iTunes now, so I know I have uh, a busy two-show week in my very near, near future as that hits 100. And, and I'm definitely hearing your feedback, and I know a lot of you have written me asking me to make the episodes longer, and I, I just may do that uh, uh, eventually. I, I would like to get a place where I could do two a week. You know, if I can, if I can get my um, enough listeners, you know, to actually kind of, you know, make a little money on this thing, then I can justify uh, the, the extra research it would take to do longer episodes and to do, yeah, maybe like a, a Monday shorter one, and then you know later in the week, uh, a subject that's just going to take as long as it fucking takes to get through it. So that that is the goal. That is, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I uh, again, I appreciate the listening. And and I do want to take a, a moment. To actually, if, if you're into looking for some other podcasts, my two favorites are Crime and Sports, and I am biased. Uh, I know one of the hosts, but there's these two hosts, James and Jimmy, and they're fantastic, and I, I just love it. Every week, they take uh, some professional athlete <laughs> who has completely fucking thrown their lives away, and it's just it's fascinating, and they do a great job of really putting out a lot of facts, really presenting a great timeline, and just this narrative of somebody who had it all and then just epically shit it all away. It is fascinating uh, every week. And then there is another one called A Mediocre Time with uh, Tom and Dan. And, and that's one that's my favorite kind of like guys sitting around talking to comics bullshitting one. That's out of Orlando. Uh, love those guys. Love A Mediocre Time. And I love you, time suckers. And from now on, when you think about LBJ's big swinging dick, which you will, I hope you think about me too. are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wickdonald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili mcdonald's sauce to make your 10-piece wick nuggets fries and sprite ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wickdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go i participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last at Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.